0: hello everyone welcome to the pwc tax Bite podcast series my name is peter de Rey, and i'm happy to invite you all to join us for this podcast on the green taxation the green deal esg and many other aspects of uh, uh, the recent developments around sustainability um, we decided to do a special series in the podcast series to really focus on all these developments around ESG and Green Deal, and for that we will in the next uh, episodes of the podcast series zoom in on a number of specific topics around this uh, this, this development, and uh, in preparation for a deep dive that we will do in PwC on ESG and Green Deal in September, stay definitely tuned for that. Uh, but for now, um, I would like to well welcome first of all uh, Evie Heerts, uh, international tax director in my uh, virtual recording studio and Jean-Philippe Van West, senior counsel in our team. Um, Evie is focusing a lot on the ESG, the impact for business sustainability. And Jean-Philippe is monitoring our European law developments. And uh, as you can imagine, the European Union has a particular interest around the Green Deal and ESG. So welcome, Jean-Philippe and Evie, um, for this well first edition of the special podcast series on the Green Deal. Um, yeah, let's kick it off. And Jean-Philippe, um, yeah, one year ago, almost one year ago, we did a special podcast when the European Union announced the Fit for 55 package. It's been a while, uh, one year ago. So perhaps you can refresh the minds uh, of myself and our audience uh, on this one. Of course, of course, Peter. Um, the Fit for 55
1: package, I published by the Commission on July 14th last year contains a set of legislative measures which altogether should result in a reduction of net greenhouse gas emissions, uh, meaning so emissions after deductions of uh, removals by at least uh, 55% compared to the 1990 levels. Uh, The package forms forms part of of the broader EU Green Deal, which aims at no net emissions of greenhouse gases by 2050. And in other words, because uh, 2050 is still far away, uh, and to avoid that EU member states uh, wait too long, uh, let's say till 2049, to start working on this program, uh, they they concluded on uh, on agreed on interim measures. Uh, so the Commission thought we need interim targets for uh, 2030. And according uh, to the European Commission, the Fit for 55 package is the most comprehensive, uh, comprehensive package it has ever uh, presented on climate and energy. And uh, the legislative proposals are all interconnected. And although that many of the proposals uh, are not tax related, uh, taxations plays, however, uh, an important role in the package uh, and this to, to steer behavior, meaning polluters will have to pay more. For example, uh, the scope of the already existing EU emission trading system will be uh, extended. Uh, they plan to uh, the, they plan the introduction of a carbon border adjustment carbon border adjustment mechanism, or CBAM, will put which will, will put a price on the import of certain uh, polluting materials such as iron and steel uh, in uh, into the EU. And furthermore, as well, uh, the use of polluter- polluting energy resources will be subject to higher taxes under the proposed revision of the Energy Taxation Directive. Uh, important to mention is that uh, the measures contained in this Fit for 55 package are not law yet, uh, but form the starting point of further no- negotiations uh, with, on the one hand, the EU Member States and on the other hand, uh, the European Parliament.
0: Well, thanks, Jean-Philippe, for refreshing our minds on this one. And uh, yeah, what, what happened then since the 14th of July? Can you give an update on that as well?
1: Yes, of course. And since then, eh, in a year time, of course, many things have happened. And if we look at it from a, a broader uh, perspective, yeah, not just not just focusing on the EU, we see more and more eh, in, in, in real life the impact of climate change climate change. For example, everyone uh, still remembers uh, the terrible floodings in Belgium and Germany of of last summer or uh, burning forests in other uh, countries, such as the United States last year. And uh, there is increasing scientific evidence that climate change is actually really happening. Uh, In particular, uh, there's work published by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change uh, that supports, uh, that provides scientific evidence that climate change is happening. And as well, uh, these studies receive significant attention as well in, in the media. And in, for example, in these studies, it's demonstrated that climate change can be proven by the fact that the current, uh, current concentration of carbon dioxide was unmatched for at least the last 2 million years, uh, or that the last decade was warmer than any other period for the last 120 120- years of the for the last 125,000 years, which are clear indication that really climate change uh, is happening. And we see even uh, in courts uh, in court decisions that uh, that the scientific evidence of climate change uh, is used in, in, in court cases that so that uh, judges rely on this scientific evidence in their court decisions. So that's one important uh, evolution, uh, more and more scientific evidence. And second important evolution, uh, or something important that happened, is uh, in November uh, last year, when there was the UN Climate Conference uh, that took place in in Glasgow, also known as uh, COP26, where uh, global uh, leaders, uh, as representatives from different countries around the world, discussed measures, Uh, that they will take to reduce the impact of climate change. For example, uh, there was an agreement was reached uh, to reduce the use uh, of coal, uh, polluting coal, or to phase out subsidies for some polluting fossil fuels. Um, One can uh, debate whether this conference uh, was a success. Uh, For many, uh, the measures agreed upon during COP26 do not go far enough. However, uh, what for me is is an important key takeaway yeah, that we had, we had their uh, leaders at uh, the leaders from countries discussing uh, climate change at the global level, but as well that the UN in the meantime, uh, over the last uh, a few months, several months ago, published a handbook on carbon taxation for developing countries and as well, uh, very recently. Uh, a new OECD inclusive forum on carbon mitigation approach approaches was created, um, which wants to add uh, the aim of this, of this inclusive forum on carbon mitigation approaches, uh, not to be uh, confused with the BEPS inclusive framework. Uh, is to collect tax data and find common methods to compare different ways of carbon pricing. So, really creating a forum to discuss uh, carbon pricing, uh, carbon pricing at uh, at the international level. Thus, this, uh with carbon pricing being high on the agenda of both the UN, uh, the OECD, and then as well as explained initially uh, at the uh, at the level of the European Commission. So, as well European level. Uh, this this makes it li- very likely that we will see important changes in this area in the future. And maybe uh, a third one, a last one, is of course obviously uh, the current energy crisis because of the ongoing war, uh, which put energy uh, on top of the agenda and has of course an impact on the negotiations of the of the Fit for 55 package.
0: Well, thanks, Jean-Philippe. Clearly, a lot of international developments around this topic. Uh, You mentioned it already briefly, the European Union is not uh, standing still on this topic as well. So can you zoom in a little bit on the specific developments we have seen in the European Union as well?
1: Yes, and here there are uh, two main evolutions uh, I would like to emphasize, I would like like to uh, highlight. First, as a, re- a reaction eh, on the on the energy crisis that I mentioned, uh, the EU Commission published uh, about uh, one and a half months ago, at uh, 18th of May, its repower EU plan, eh, which builds uh, which builds on the Fit for 55 package, and complements uh, the the objectives thereon, and the aim is uh, to rely more uh, on renewable energy and mitigate and mitigate the dependence of uh, of EU member states on polluting uh, fossil, fu- fossil fuels that we import from Russia. So not really a, a revolution there, but uh, I would see this rather as, as an acceleration of, uh, of the move away from polluting imported uh, fossil fuels. And here, the, the Fit for 55 package, of course, plays uh, an important role and the a realization thereof. And then uh, the second one uh, if we really look at the the realization of this fit for 55 uh, package there one of the most recent uh, and most concrete developments is the the adoption by both on the one hand the European Parliament but as well the European Council of their general approach on several of the legislative uh, proposals included in the fit for 55 package uh, during the last weeks uh, this, uh, this, uh, let's say their 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 point of view or their their statements on these uh, on these several of these legislative proposals include, which is important for 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 us uh, from a tax perspective, uh, agreement on position of a CIBAN, and as well the revision of the EU emission trading system. If we look at the position of the European Parliament on the one hand and and, uh, the European Council uh, on the other hand, there we see that the Parliament favours a clear acceleration uh, and enlargement of the scope of these instruments, Uh, so want to go further than uh, the European Commission. For example, uh, the European Parliament wishes uh, proposes uh, to extend the scope of CBAM to include as well uh, organic chemicals, uh, plastics, uh, ammonia and hydrogen. Whereas if you look at the the position of the council, they rather uh, support little changes and more adhere to the proposal of uh, the European Commission. The, the key takeaway message is, however, that now we had uh, yet the Commission coming with its uh, fit for 55 proposals about a year ago. Now the Parliament took position as well, the Council took position. So, so, so the three European institutions have their positions and of course now they can continue uh, negotiating and there. Uh, the aim is still for several of these measures is, is 2023. So, and because of the impact these proposals can have on business, this is of course something uh, important, uh, very important uh, to monitor.
0: Okay. Um, thanks for uh, highlighting all that. So a lot is happening that's clearly both internationally, European level. That must have been uh, gradually coming on the radar as well of the tax community, AV. And I'm interested to to, to ask you, How are tax teams reacting to this? Do they have this on their agenda already?
2: Well, Peter, it's an interesting question. Before I dive into what we hear when we talk to our clients, let me maybe first take a step back and share some of the results uh, of the Green Deals survey that PwC recently did, because there are some interesting points uh, that we want to share with the audience. Tax pr- practitioners were part of the targeted audience, so what is, uh, they're definitely part of the results. Our first uh, takeaway is that uh, familiarity with the green deal among corporate decision makers is only 40% which is quite low if we look at such an um, extensive uh, legislative package which might kick in as early as 23 24 so it's not um something that that will only have an impact in the coming years so i think that's the first point to take onto on board Um, the Green Deal is not as high on the radar as as we might expect. Secondly, half of the respondents feel uh, prepared to tackle the challenges, so meaning that half do not feel prepared or or are not prepared at all. Again, a low average for such an important legislative package. And then finally, one that I found particularly interesting, um, looking at it from a tax and incentives point of view, is that um, uh, one-third of the respondents have indicated that they have made investments decisions around sustainability and the like, without even checking whether there are available incentives. As Jean-Philippe mentioned earlier, there is quite a large amount of funds uh, made available uh, to um, go for this green transition, so I thought that was a very interesting one to share with the audience. some results from the Green Deal survey. Now, when we talk to our clients and the tax teams in the field, we have seen that there is an increase uh, in um, interaction around these topics over the past couple of months. In my personal opinion, there are a couple of drivers for this. First of all, um, you will have seen uh, that we and many others um, are starting to pick up on these developments. As Sean-Philippe mentioned, rightfully so, This is increasing over the past couple of months. It is clear that this package is high on the agenda of Europe and and that progression is made. So uh, not something uh, that can just be um, shifted off the table, but something that the business and companies will have to deal with. I think that is becoming clear and that is why there's increased um, interest. Secondly, um, the current... um, economic and geopolitical situation has an impact. First of all, following COVID, we saw that um, 51% of companies we surveyed are looking into making substantial changes to their supply chain, for example. There are many reasons, costs still being number one. But it is interesting to see that companies um, which are faced with sustainability challenges and uh, who are looking into what the impact of the Green Deal and the Fit for 55 package would be for them, that they often um, cite sustainability as one of the drivers for change. So again, if we talk transition within a company, we see that sustainability is more and more often one of the drivers, which then immediately also links to the question, uh, what is the impact of these tax-related, green tax-related measures on the transformation the company is doing? Will they have a positive impact, a negative impact? And are there um, are there tax incentives, but also cash grants uh, you can tap into to uh, ease uh, the burden of those additional investments. When we talk to our um, supply chain and advisory colleagues, uh, we also see that sustainability as a whole and the shortening of the supply chain are huge drivers for transformation. Sorry, at the moment. So I'm sure um, that we will see uh, this trend increasing. So it is not only the topic within the tax field, but it is also the push from the business that are for me drivers um, to ensure that the tax team uh, is part of the discussion. And that immediately brings me maybe to my, my last point, if you ask me, is this on the mind of the tax team? Um, when we speak to many of our clients, there's quite a bit of a difference in who is accountable and responsible for these green taxes and incentives within an organization. It's really different. It's, uh, the, first, the first indicator is, is it a company that is, for example, today already subject to the emission trading system? They are more familiar with it, have sometimes specialized teams, have centralized management, have thought through the tax impact of these measures. But many others that are today not directly responsible, uh, sorry, uh, not directly impacted by those measures, um, don't have a responsible, and it's definitely not always the tax team that is involved, but often the business that tracks some of those more local uh, green taxes. Now, my feeling is with these taxes becoming more harmonized at EU level, and the clear focus that this will change.
0: Okay, thank you, Evie. Um, of course, extremely interesting to to see that uh, yeah, gradually it's uh, becoming uh, more and more on the agenda not a surprise for me um i imagine that in addition to the green deal there are a lot of other uh, areas that that uh, businesses and our clients should keep an eye on in the next uh, weeks and months and i think that's also immediately i think a little overview of what the audience can expect in the next podcast uh, uh, somehow so Evie, can you also shed a little light on that uh, please
2: absolutely peter um not new but uh, definitely within the framework of uh esg and uh the broader context an important one is tax transparency and you will tell me yeah tax transparency AV that's been going on for years we have public cdcr and everything coming within europe so why has this, uh, does this have anything to do with esg well it's linked to the uh, corporate Sus- sustainability uh directive reporting directive which uh, is also expected to kick in in 2024. So although not a tax-related measure at all, um, it is one that is important for the tax team to follow, because it is a directive that will require uh, large, quoted and non-quoted companies to disclose non-financial sustainability-related information. Uh, on the E, the S, and the G, so the environmental, the social footprint, but also the governance around it. Um, mis- maybe an uh, interesting one to note um, is that it's not only applicable if you're headquartered in the EU, but the legislator recently agreed to extend the scope of the non- to non-EU companies which generate and net turnover of more than 150 million within the EU. So it will hit a lot of companies, and it will be a, a new compliance requirement. But that, with that compliance, you you are likely uh, forced to disclose quite a bit of your tax footprint, because in the drafts we have seen, and again, this is all drafts, so will be refined further. In the S, there will be quite a bit of information on your tax footprint, mainly corporate tax footprint, but still that you will need to disclose as a company. So that is why I come to tax transparency. Um, The environmental taxes are part of your footprint. There are uh, corporate taxes, obviously VAT, sales taxes, uh, real estate taxes, your total tax footprint. And now more than ever, before you are forced to disclose part of your footprint without the surrounding story, Uh, via, for example, the CSRD, uh, it is, for me, important to think about your tax strategy within the broader sustainability commitment of your company and seeing whether that tax strategy and your total tax footprint is aligned with your sustainability commitments. So that, for me, apart from the green taxes, is a very important topic for the tax team to follow up on. And, again, it will be directly or indirectly part of disclosures and it can be as early as
0: 2024. OK, thank you very much, Evie. And with that, I think we reached the end of this uh, this first podcast in a separate series on uh, ESG and the Green Deal. So I would like to, first of all, thank you, uh, Jean-Philippe and Evie, for this yeah, recap of what happened in the past months and a little look out to what to expect uh, to come. Um, But I would also ask the audience to stay tuned because in the next weeks and months to come, we will provide you with a number of dedicated podcasts specifically on ESG and the Green Deal. So thank you for tuning in and stay tuned. Thank you.